For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. Hi, and welcome to The Rock Podcast. As Paul the Apostle brings his remarks to a close in the letter to the Colossians, he mentions ten names. As we will see, the character qualities of Paul's friends tell us a lot about what kind of people we ought to be. Let's join Pastor Ross now with a message entitled, Quality Friends. Now, Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts. It's always our prayer, Lord. We know that the Bible is not the work of any man. The God-breathed word of the living God. And we pray, Father, for eyes that can see those truths and hearts that can grasp those realities and put them into practice so we can be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. You've heard the, the wise saying, a man is known by the company he keeps, and that's very true. And if that's true, we're going to learn a lot about the Apostle Paul this morning, because here in the conclusion to the book of Colossians, or the letter, I should say, uh, in his closing remarks, there are uh, 10 names that appear, his closest friends and associates, um, and who they are and what kind of people they were, their character, the things that they were doing will bring great insight to us. Some might skip over this section of 10 names, and he's just saying a lot of greetings and incidentals, but it's the living word of God in all scripture is inspired and, and beneficial and a blessing. Sometimes you do have to dig a little bit beneath the surface, and we'll do that this morning and find out that even in the closing list of greeting names and incidentals, there's great blessing. And so a couple uh Questions get answered by this list at the end of Colossians. Really, what kind of people did Paul, the greatest Christian who ever lived, what kind of people did he value as friends? And what kind of people did he entrust himself to? Not only with sacred friendship, but with sacred duties of ministry, something that we all need. We all need friends and we are all a part of the ministry. The second question I'm asking myself as I read through these few verses is uh, what goes into making a good team? Because we're going to meet the team that really changed the world. There are uh, 10 names, as I told you, just part of the larger scope of uh, the associates of Paul's um, ministry, uh, but we're going to meet this morning his friends and, and the team that changed the world. And so uh, we're to, we're, uh, everybody's important, everybody's on a team, everybody needs friends, and so that is why these words are important to us. Let's take a look at this, and as we ask the question, are we an asset or a liability? And interestingly, of the 10 names, there will be both asset and liability, unfortunately. Here's the text in its entirety. The book of Colossians closes out by saying, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that's happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings. So does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. By the way, you have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, do welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings these are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they've proved a great comfort to me. Continuing on, Epaphras, who is also one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. 
He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor and the author of the gospel, (laughs) and Demas, liability, send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea, soon to be a liability, and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. And tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And with that, we have completed a verse-by-verse study through the book of Colossians. And uh, it's been a blessing. Uh, This text, these closing words, really divide quite nicely into three uh, points, note-takers. First of all, there's a commendation for two of the couriers who are carrying the letter. And uh, secondly, there is a whole list of greetings, 10 through 15. And then finally, he closes with instruction, instruction about the letter and an instruction about Archippus, a person. So let's begin. We'll isolate that first part, which commends the two men who are carrying the letters. And we're going to talk about that. There's more than one letter in that knapsack. So the objective had been met for the entire four chapters to encourage believers to stand strong, sound doctrine. Uh, They were under attack by heretics who were coming in and perverting the gospel. Uh, They were called Gnostics. They were, as you recall, the enlightened ones who had a new spin on the gospel, a more uh, uh, enlightened version of what had been passed down and entrusted uh, to the saints, as we are called, the separated ones. And so uh, not only were they to be strong uh, in their doctrine theologically, but morally and ethically to let the, the new life that the Holy Spirit has come to every believer to cooperate with that new life so that there would be good deeds and, a, and that we would be good reflections of, of who we represent, and that would be the Lord. Now, uh, to, to understand what's going on here with the letters to these two men, it's very interesting, and you'll, you'll need, we'll need to dig a little bit, all right? So let's do a little detective work here, <clears throat> and let me bring out a map to remind you of the situation. They are traveling back, all of these guys in the list, and the one gal in the list, are all from the same, they all know each other, And they're all from the same local region called the Valley of Lycos. And that is in modern-day Turkey. So you could think of these three areas. Hierapolis is mentioned. Laodicea is mentioned. And, of course, the main letter is for Colossae, right? So they are like Santa Rosa, Roner Park, and Petaluma. So there are Christians in this list all know each other. They all work together. And if you think of it that way, it might be helpful. Now, what happened, how this all started, was the, the second missionary journey and the third missionary journey, Paul the Apostle traveled to Ephesus. And Ephesus, he spent three years. And it says in Acts chapter 19 that the entire region of Asia was evangelized. Asia is modern-day Turkey. When the Bible says Asia or Asia Minor, it means all of Turkey. So from Ephesus, where is it? There, there it is. Came churches in Hierapolis, Laodicea, and Colossae. So that's the, Paul the Apostle is now 1,200 miles northwest in Rome, incarcerated. And he is writing to this church here, Colossae, all right? And this happens to be 
where Philemon lives and where the church meets in Philemon's house. And so now we're going to start to piece things uh, together. Uh, let, let, let's look at the verse now. Tychicus, Tychicus will tell you all the news, and he vouches for him, just commends him. I'm sending you him for this reason, and he's coming with Onesimus. And we know Onesimus is from Colossae as well, but he's also a runaway slave and the subject of Philemon. So Philemon is a Colossian, and he hosts the church, and he may even pastor it from time to time. And his runaway slave was in Rome and incarcerated as well, and in the providence of God was led to the Lord by the Apostle Paul. So now, let me show you something about three passages because there are three letters in the knapsack. This is from Colossians. Tychicus is going to come. He's got the letter, all right? Ephesians, Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you everything so that you may know how I am and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for the very purpose that he may encourage you. What? What's going on here? All right. To Philemon, Paul, prisoner of Christ, to Philemon, to the church that meets in your home, in where the Colossians meet in his home. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. I'm sending him back to you. Okay. There are three letters in the knapsack. There's the letter to the Ephesians. There's the letter to the Colossians, which is going to Philemon's house. And inside of Philemon's house, he's also getting a personal letter that's private about his runaway slave who's standing in front of him. Let me show you the map again. They will make the 1,200-mile journey, and they will stop in Ephesus and deliver the Ephesians letter. And then they will go on to Colossae to Philemon's house and read the letter to the church that gathers in his house to the Colossians and also say, and by the way, here's a letter, Philemon, about Onesimus, who's standing there. Now do you get it? Do you get the whole picture? You know, I wish somebody would have taken the time to explain all of that to me. So I'm passing that on to you free of charge. And so now on to the character, we'll go back. Thank you. The character, of course, <laughs> of course they're going to be stellar men of, of sterling character because they've got the only copy of Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon on board. <laughs> Would you entrust that to any fool? No, of course not. Listen to what the, the Proverbs say about entrusting a messenger Sending a message by the hands of a fool is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. In other words, it's going to get you nowhere, right? It's a real, it defeats the purpose. Get it cutting off your feet. It didn't work Wednesday night. It didn't work today. <laughs> it's okay. I, I learned the hard way. And, and, and how about this one? Putting confidence in an unreliable person in time of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. That makes a little bit more sense. Now, he says of this man, he says, first of all, he's a dear brother. Note that in the text. He's a dear brother. The word dear brother, dear there, is a word from agape, unconditional love that comes from God. It's that family blood bond, but only what he's talking about here, the calling him a beloved brother. He's saying it's, it's this love that because of the blood of Jesus that makes us one, that, that, that agony, the Son of God crying out, the sweat drops of blood, the, the, the agonizing death, the shameful death of the Lord of glory, the creator of the universe is on that cross, God the Son. And he's shedding his blood for me, but he's also shedding his blood for you. And that blood that just makes us love one another with this supernatural kind of love that comes 
from God. And he says, that's the kind of friend that he has. The whole world's against Paul. He needs somebody like Tychicus by his side. He's called a faithful minister. The word faithful there is trustworthy, dependable, reliable. And I already quoted you from the Proverbs how important it is to have somebody in your life that you can depend on. And when you depend on somebody who's untrustworthy, it's a nightmare. You give Tychicus a task and that arrow is going to hit the bullseye. He's not going to wander off. He's not going to forget what he was supposed to do. He's not going to do it out of the spirit in which it was sent to do. He's going to do it the right way with a smile on his face or he's going to die trying. That's the kind of friend that Paul has in him. And those are the kinds of people Paul surrounds himself with. And it goes on. Oh, by the way, faithful is that word. But minister is that word uh, uh, diakonos, which means, which, which is called, all, all Christians are referred to as uh, ministers in that regard. But the word means in the Greek, so interesting, it means to kick up dust. And, and it means, it described a waiter who's always running errands, right? And he says that, that this is the kind of guy, he's other-centered. He said, give me, Paul, what do you need me to do? What can I do? What needs to be done? It's a job nobody else wants. Let's just give it to me because he's kicking up dust serving Paul and the Lord. This is the kind of friend. This is the kind of associate. This is the kind of team member that Paul the Apostle says, you're on my team. You're my best friend. This is, this is who I want to be around. He's a faithful minister and he's a fellow servant. A wonderful word in the Greek. It means together slave. It means that, that he is a a slave of God, but he's with this other guy. Both of their wills are completely surrendered to God to do God's will and God's will first and only God's will. And that kind of thing, when you get two people together who just are surrendered and they just want to do what God wants them to do, man, there's a bomb there. And he says, that's the kind of friend you need. That's the kind of person you want in your organization or your family. You're looking for those. Where did he find a guy like this? This is typical of all of Paul's friends, filled with love for God and others, trustworthy to the core of his being and fully surrendered to do God's will. Where do you find somebody like that? Paul was a guy like that. That's how you find a good friend. You are a good friend. That's how you find a good person to hang out with you because you're a good person. And a good person, there's no such thing as a good person in the Bible. A good person is put right with God through faith, has the Holy Spirit come in, and because the Holy Spirit's on board and doing good works through us, we become a good person. But it's certainly not because of anything that we do. Onesimus, we've already talked about him. He's a brand new believer and God is such a multitasker. I mean, he, in God's providence, come on. He, they're 1,200 miles away from where the Colossians live. And, and Onesimus is a Colossian. And he's in Rome. And, and he's a renegade. He's a troublemaker. He caused a lot of pain to Philemon. And he was out doing his thing. And somehow he got tossed in the slammer. And guess who he was near? <laughs> or by chance. And Paul the Apostle says, bro, where are you from? And he says, I'm from Colossae. What? I know, the, I know, I know a church there. It's, it meets in Philemon's house. What? Onesimus says, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How you know Philemon? What do you think I'm here for? Because I ran away from Philemon. This is 1,200 miles away. And he says, let me tell you about Jesus. Onesimus, let me tell you about Jesus. And so the guy gets saved, and, uh, well, and, and he gets released. And so this is like, oh, why don't you go with Tychicus with the letter? Oh, no, 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 you have no idea what I did to Philemon. You have no idea what I did at that church. They hate me at that church. He goes, I'll take care of that. 
I'll write a little note to your employer, Philemon. And it becomes the book of Philemon. <laughs> I love this stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's just the, the majesty of the word of God is enough to increase anybody's faith and to, to lay a firm foundation. It's just you can't do this. This is beyond human beings, this kind of coming together. And by the way, the same guys in the list greeting are at the end of Philemon. They're the same guys because it's the same cell. And that's why you call them the prison epistles because they were all written together in one prison setting. And so what more can he say about Onesimus than he says, Onesimus is here and he's one of you all. Yes, it means, and he's a Colossian, but it also means he's every bit 100% like you, redeemed, changed, filled with the Holy Spirit and on his way to heaven, forgiven of all his sins, just like all of you. Though he's every bit like you, he is one of you. He's one of us. Welcome him back. <laughs> Welcome him back. And so now on to some greetings. This is the chunk of it, isn't it? There are six persons listed here. Six persons. Three are Gentiles and three are Jews. The word uh, Jewish Christians. The word Gentile, of course, we've been down this road. It just means nations. It just means non-Jewish. And so he points out that three of them are uh, Jewish believers like him. They're of Hebrew ancestry. And by the way, people say, you know, you're not Jewish unless you practice Judaism. I've been told that so many times. I sent my DNA, my, my little spit into a little tube and sent it to Ancestry.com. It comes back European Jewish. So how is that not a, a Jewish? <laughs> how is that not a nationality? If I'm told through ancestry, through my DNA, that I identify with a people group, right? And so people all the time, oh, well, then you're not Jewish. Uh, these were Jews, racially, who accepted Jesus. And the first 10 years, that's all there were. <laughs> that's all it was. And then suddenly this mystery, it dawned on them, hey, maybe God loves the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the promise to Abraham that the whole world would be blessed through him and the Jews, that the whole world was on God's mind. Ha, huh, ha, huh, connecting the dots. And so the door was open there. So I went down a bunny trail, a little Jewish bunny trail at that. <laughs> so let's talk about Aristarchus, uh, Mark, and uh, Justice, all right? So Aristarchus, a nice Jewish boy with a Greek name, because when they were born in a Greek-dominated uh, society, they took on Greek names, but he is a Jew. He has a long history with the Apostle Paul, dramatic one. You remember the riot in Ephesus? Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. That's where he started some 12 years ago, previous, with the Apostle Paul and had been with him ever since, so about 12 years. But it started with getting arrested with Paul uh, there with great as Diana or Artemis, um, arrested with Paul. He accompanies him to Jerusalem. He's later with Paul, the journey uh, to Rome, and he's a prisoner too. He's a prisoner, why? Because he hangs out with the prisoner. He, hang, he hangs out with the bad guy in the world's view, this guy who's turning the world upside down with this gospel stuff, telling everybody that they're sinners and helpless and are going to hell and they need Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ can save you and everybody else is a liar. Lock them up. They're still doing the same thing today. So he goes, you know, that's the kind of guy he is. You know, he, he goes to the end. He's, and, and this is what I'm reflecting on. I want a friend like that. I want to be a friend like that. Who said, you know, you're in trouble. I'm right by your side. Whoops, I got locked up with you because I'm hanging out with you. No matter, because I love you. And if you're going to get thrown into the slammer, throw me in with you. 
That's the kind of guy. Listen, I had Jordan's wedding. There was a guy who was a longtime friend I haven't seen for years and years. But of course, he shows up at Jordan's wedding with his wife. When I was a young pastor in my 20s, just struggling with little babies, struggling financially, trying to, be, trying to do some missionary work, they just sort of adopted us. And uh, the Lord had blessed him financially. He was already retired in his 30s. And, and, and he, no envying, this is, right, this is like, oof. I, I heard that this is church. We need to just be happy for him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one time I was, he, they're always blessing us, always. Just, 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 we've got babies hanging all over us and, you know, our troubles and all kinds of things. You know how life is when you're just getting started. And, uh, I'll never forget, and it's probably going to move me to tears, but just a couple things that they did. You know, I was telling them, I wear, oh, how are you doing? Oh, my car just broke down again. And, you know, I got this clunker and blah, 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 and all of this stuff. And about two hours later, he comes to the door and he says, let's, let's do this. Let's pray together. He comes in, he has lunch. He says, what about your car? He says, let's go down to the place. And it just... So when he was standing here at the wedding, I was bragging on this guy, listing all of those ways to, when as a young guy, just having a friend like that, how, how beautiful when, when you're sick in the hospital and somebody's just sitting there with you. Or groceries, somebody shows up with a bag of groceries because they know you're hurting or Christmas time, somebody says, hey, you got list, listed on the list because they're of a friend, you know. As wonderful as that is to receive, it's even better to be the one doing it. And so I, I credit, let's call him Bob. Let's call him Bob because that's his name. <laughs> Why do you laugh so hard every time I do that? And you always know I'm going to say that. <laughs> and you still laugh. Bob. Bob inspired me to do that. To try to do it. I mean, I don't think I'm as good as, at it as Bob and as you guys are. But it, it's a beautiful thing to be that person. To be that, uh, what's his name? No. <laughs> but Aristarchus, you just got a new name. All right, I've got to move on because there are more Jews to talk about. Mark is John Mark. Oh my, what a story. I could do a whole sermon on this, bro. His mother is famous. His mother's name is Mary, not the Mary. She had a big house in Jerusalem. It's a famous house because it had an upper room. Ah, that's where John Mark is his full name. John Mark grew up in that house. John Mark became, well, Mary is an aunt to Barnabas, which makes Barnabas, who's all over the book of Acts, and John Mark cousins. And Barnabas is a very encouraging guy. So when it was time to go on the very first missionary journey, Paul the Apostle, as most of you know the story, this is Acts uh, 12. Paul the Apostle, Barnabas, and Barnabas's cousin, John Mark, go on the very first missions trip. And in the middle, when it got the hottest and they needed him the most, John Mark disgraced himself and went home to mommy to the upper room where all the Christians were, where he was safe and warm, and he, he wasn't in any more danger. Two chapters later, it's time to check on the churches they planted. And Paul says, Barnabas, let's go. And Barnabas says, let's bring my cousin, John Mark. And Paul says, that would be unwise. I am not willing to put ourselves in harm's way again. And Barnabas and Paul had such a sharp disagreement 
they parted company. And Paul took, let me see here, Paul chose Silas and went one way, and they were commended by the church. And so Paul was in the right because the storyline follows Paul. You never hear of Barnabas again, ever. So, you know, things like that happen. And that happens with friends and teammates. That's a reflection, is that these kinds of things happen, but they can have redeemable endings. John Mark has grown up. What happened? They had this falling out. Well, maybe Barnabas is still holding a grudge or, or not. Who knows? We don't know. But John Mark is making himself useful. And he's not, you know what he's not doing? He's not running around saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. I'm a different man. I'm a different man. No, 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 no. He lets his behavior as a different man evidence his repentance and his maturity. Did you catch that one? None of this. Show me, show us. Let the deed speak. Let, let some time go by. And time went by. And this dude is helpful. He's by Paul's side. Now, Paul, through humility and repentance and softening, there's a happy ending, once a liability. Now, Paul is going to be praising him and commending him. And, and why do you think he says, by the way, in parentheses, you've received instructions about him? If he comes to you, welcome him. Why do you think that's in there? Because the, what do you think the, the Proverbs say? A good name, a good reputation is better than gold and treasure. Because once you lose it, you need special little letters to say, yeah, I know. Yeah, he has that reputation, but just so you know, welcome him, right? It's a lot of work to get your reputation back. You may never get it back. You may. By consistent living righteously and morally. And that's what happens here. Well, guess what happens? He starts hanging out with the apostle Peter, John Mark does. And in fact, some say that back at the upper room, Peter, where Peter hung out a lot, that perhaps Peter led John Mark to the Lord because Peter calls him his son in the faith in 1 Peter, right? So what happens is Peter's telling the gospel story to John Mark, Mark, and Mark starts writing down the story about Jesus' life. And what does that turn into? The gospel of Mark. So John Mark has come a long way from going home as a deserter, right? Now, when you have a falling fallout and you have a slip, an ugly thing happen, it can go one of two ways. You can just give up, get bitter, get discouraged, and start blaming the world for all of your troubles, or you can humble yourself, take responsibility and start to make some changes. And then God will say, you know what? I'm gonna make you famous. You're one of the gospel writers. Trust me, it could have gone the other way. And we would have had Matthew, Aristarchus, <laughs> Bob, <laughs> that was good. Matthew, Bob, <laughs> somehow that doesn't fit. Justice is mentioned. I love this. Why? Look them up in the Bible encyclopedia. Justice, Jesus called justice. Once you were birth named Jesus and, and you became a Christian, you're like, call me something else. <laughs> so they called him justice. And look him up and it says, justice sends greetings. <laughs> That's all we know about him right there. <laughs> right. So what, what, what it is, is you could be a solid, wonderful man of God, woman of God, without a lot of fanfare, not a lot of words, not a lot of, whole lot of stories. He's one of the guys. He's supporting. He's there. He's solid. He's dependable. Not a lot of stories, not a lot of drama. We need those guys. We need those kinds of friends too. We got enough of the drama ones. Amen. <laughs> I like justice. So here's the poignant 
remarked at verse 11, these are the only Jewish believers and they've proved to be a great comfort. The word in the Greek for comfort there is to assuage pain, to, to, to mitigate pain, to soften it, to absorb it, right? So he's saying, listen, he, he, he wanted Israel to receive her Messiah so bad, this apostle Paul. He said in Romans chapter nine and verse two, I have unceasing sorrow and grief in my heart. Unceasing means never stopping. He carries a wound. Why? He's a Hebrew. He was a Pharisee. He sees the whole thing. The whole the Old Testament was setting up the Jewish people. Here's your Messiah. Ta-da! You know, all of these 300 prophecies. Ta-da! There he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Born of a Jewish mama. Tracing his heritage all the way back to Abraham. Ta-da! And the Jews go, we were looking for someone else. We didn't want this cross thing, this uh, shame and defeat and death. No, 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 no. We want him to come the way he's coming the second time. Without the cross. But you can't welcome the second coming unless you've been cleansed by the first coming. Amen? You're coming to life out there. Now to the three, gen, uh, yeah, the three Gentiles, right? Um, Epaphras is the founding pastor of Colossians. So he got saved in Ephesus. He made his way home. He's a Colossian, and he shared the gospel, and he's the one who planted those churches. Now he's, he's with Paul, and Paul needs him, and someone else is pastoring. Uh, I'll just cut to the chase. Philemon's son is pastoring. Archippus, at the end, is Philemon's son. I just threw that out there to ruin the ending. (laughs) All right, so Luke, Luke. He's only mentioned three times, but Luke, we're gonna have to wear sunglasses in heaven to look at Luke, all right? He's... (laughs) He is one amazing dude. Luke was an evangelist, a historian, a physician, a pastor, a missionary, a companion, a brother in the Lord, and a theologian, and the author of Luke, 23 chapters, and the book of Acts, 28 chapters. A genius historian. Where We would know nothing, nothing about the beginning of Christianity without his pen. Nothing. We would know nothing. We'd only get as far as Jesus ascending. That's it. What a great guy. He accompanies Paul uh, in his journeys. Through the book of Acts, you see that he's there because he uses we. When When he slips into the we, we know Luke's there. He stays on with Paul to prison, and here's the deal with Luke. Here's the deal with Luke. At the end of Paul's life, all these names in the list, they're all going to flee away because Nero's going to turn up the heat and say, you mentioned Jesus, I will put you, I will impale you on a pole and dip you in wax and light you on fire to give light to my nighttime parties at my palace, which they did. So... Everybody left Paul's side, except Luke. One man, at the end of this great man's life, he says, they're all gone, except Luke. And then he says, may God not hold it to them. Graciously. Okay, I was there for everybody, and we're now, you know. He's not like that. We're like that. But uh, he's a great man of God, and I'm not saying everybody's like that, but yeah, you know. Demas, not everybody's an asset like Luke. Demas is smiling, he's in the picture, but his heart is in Las Vegas, partying. (laughs) That's what he wants. He's a party boy, and he's got a secret little uh, love for the nightlife and the ladies and the fast cars and the quick cash. That's him. Because we find out later, Paul will tell us, everybody's gone. Demas, who's in love with this present world, 
has deserted me. So, yeah, reflection. Everybody has betrayal. Everybody will have a friend who goes south on you. Everyone. Everybody's got a story. I don't want to show of hands because it happens the most. And if you want to be in the ministry, it's prerequisite. It, it, there's called a discipline of betrayal for ministers. You have to, as a pastor, have somebody put the knife in, in the back. You have to. Why? And I, see, I taught this at seminary to young men. You, you have to be broadened in your soul. Uh, those are moments where you go before God and you are broadened and stretched and, and you learn the discipline that Jesus suffered. A friend who ate bread with him kicked up his heel against him, right? Prophecy fulfilled in Judas. You become more compassionate. And after the wound heals, if you handle it correctly, if you handle it correctly, the wound will heal and you will be stronger. You will be more <laughs> deep and understanding, compassionate and prayerful. It, it, it can be a good thing. It's never a fun thing, but it can be a good thing. Uh, continuing on now, he's going to make a personal, two personal greetings. First, two brothers at Laodicea. Well, the church at Laodicea was popping. It was good. Everything was cool. Everything was good at the day. But 30 years later, Jesus will be knocking at the door in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 and saying, Yoo-hoo, can I come into your lukewarm church? Something went wrong in 30 years. Jesus is on the outside, knock, you know, behold, I stand at the door and knock, whoever hears my voice will come in. That's a famous verse, but he's talking to a church. <laughs> he's saying, hello, what happened? And what did happen to the Laodiceans? 30 years has passed, and now Jesus is saying, you know, I'd rather you hot or cold, like pick one. But this lukewarm, Christless Christianity, he says, I want to spit it out of my mouth. It, it's nauseating to the Lord. He says, hot or cold, but please, just not going through the motions. Without a passionate love for Jesus, how does that happen? Easy. Easy. We've all done it. We've all just go through the motions. Jesus is somewhere else. We hardly ever talk to him. And we just fall into using our gifts and abilities because they're uh, given without repentance, as the Bible says. God just gives them. May it never be. But for now, they're okay. But who's to say? For now, we're okay, as far as I know. Did they stop reading the scriptures and start doing, you know, little positive uh, topical preaching? <laughs> I don't know what happened, but Jesus somehow got ousted. So right now, they're an asset, but they'll become, because yeah, here, here's the deal. You can only fake it so long. Take this to heart, anyone who's faking it in here. I promise you, I promise you in Jesus' name that you will run out of gas and the fumes, the God fumes that you're on right now, and you're, I promise you, you will crash. You will be by the side of the road. Oh, God will send everybody to help you and all of that if you handle it right. Keep the tank full. A godly man, this is um, off the, down another trail, <laughs> a missionary to Africa. I got to interview him. I was a pastoral intern up in Albany, Oregon. And they just told me, go interview this 85-year-old uh, missionary formerly to Africa. And of all the things he said to me, he said an off-the-cuff remark that stuck with me. And I'm not very spiritual, <laughs> but it stuck with me. He said, um, whenever the gas, we were in the car and he wanted to fill the gas tank up and I was driving. And he said, can you fill my car up with gas? And I said, you know, you've got a half a tank. And he goes, I never let it go be be below half a tank. That way I'll never run out. And God just 
right? Because 30 years later, I'm telling you about it like it just happened yesterday. God said to me, don't let it go half. Stop at half and fill up again. And you'll never get down to the fumes where somebody's coming on to you or there's a temptation. I'm talking to all of us. And you don't have enough gas in the tank to pull the nose up and resist and do the right thing. Uh, Your guess is as good as mine where we left off. (laughs) Where? Laodicea. Oh, thank you so much. And then this gal, Nympha, it means bride. And she just opens her home. And just let me tell you, you hospitable folks out there, listen, where would we be without you? who create warmth wherever you go and open your home and lend out your truck. And thank you. Thank you for making our church homey, comfortable. The ladies who do things like this. This is hospitality. We want you to feel warm and happy and Christmas and Jesus and, you know, the bride. So uh, just in this section alone, As Warren Wiersbe put it, he said, Paul has friends who stay, pray, and stray. Friends who bring comfort, friends who are prayerful, friends who fall short, friends who are hospitable. Let's finish up. We close with a couple instructions here about the letter. After it's been read to you, see that you see that it's read over in Laodicea. And then get the letter from them and tell tell Archippus, interesting way to put this, see to it that you complete the work you've received in the Lord. Let's talk about this. Three matters. One, the letter to the Colossians. Two, the letter from Laodicea. And three, the advice to Archippus, who is Philemon's son, who is pastoring the church because Epaphras is gone. Share the letter with your sister church. Um, They're exposed to the same kinds of disquieting influences uh, as the church of the Colossians, so the teaching will be helpful to both congregations. So it's kind of like the letter that would come here to the rock. Make sure you send it to Calvary Chapel, Petaluma. It's the same idea, and it's, in fact, the same distance. Um, And get a hold of the letter which I wrote to them. Ah, Paul wrote letters that we don't have. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he talks about a letter, and we don't have it. He says, in the letter I wrote to you, a painful letter. Oh, man, we don't have that letter. Why? Because God said, you don't need that letter, right? And the same thing here. Whatever he said to the church at Laodicea was temporarily beneficial and locally beneficial, but not globally and eternally Beneficial, and only God knows why. We have the 66 books that we needed. Amen? And then last, he says something so interesting. And as for Archippus, now, we already told you, I already told you, that uh, he is pastoring, and he's probably faltering. I mean, do you hear a little bit of a rebuke there? You know? Listen to how he says it, though. He says, church... Tell Archippus. See to it. It's in third person. Why isn't Paul saying, hey, Archippus, see to it? He's saying, tell him. Now, scholars say this. The first reason he's doing it this way is to show his full support for his ministry. Uh, uh, Epaphras is gone. This kid is faltering. I call him a kid. He's a young man, probably. And he's uh, wavering. And can I really do this? And his father is the host and the pastor. There's complications that way. He says, no, Paul. Paul is saying he's called. Get behind him. And, and, and now look at the strategy. If the church is saying to this young man, pastor us. See, complete embrace. We need you. Paul said, God called you. You've got something that we we need. We want you to pastor us. Oh, that's so much more appealing to a pastor to hear, you got to do this, but from the Apostle Paul, right? 
when, you don't, when you're feeling not up to it or inadequate or disillusioned, and you're just told, you've got to do your job. But if he says, hey, you guys, tell him, hey, Paul said, you're called by God. Make sure you embrace it. Finish the work you're doing. We need you. We're behind you. We believe you too. We believe in you. Oh, that tells a young man who's up. Ministry can be so rewarding. It's the best thing in the whole world. And ministry, as you know, you're all involved in ministry and how precious and fulfilling it can be. But how disillusion, dis, what's that word? Uh, how difficult, how about that word? Difficult and discouraging it can be. I've got a... a quote to end this with. Like it was 2,000 years ago, pastoring and doing any kind of ministry to this day presents challenges that tempt people to give up, fall short of using their gift to strengthen the church. There is much joy and fulfillment in serving the Lord and also many discouragements. Let all of us who serve the Lord Take this admonition to heart. See to it that you complete the work God gave you to do. Listen, I'm going to look at you and just tell you this. This is not about four pastors. This is about 800 people. This is about your hospitality, your giving. That's a gift. God gives everybody a gift, the gift of mercy, loving one another, using your gifts and abilities. Look at me. With all the discouragement that comes your way, see to it that you embrace and complete the work that God gave you. You're part of the team. Make sure. Why? We need you. The gospel needs you. People are lost and perishing. There are many people who are going to die today, this day, without a savior, and they will eternally perish. Why do you need to do what is being exhorted to Archippus? Because the world is lost and Christians are struggling. Marriages are hurting all around us. Kids are wandering. Finances are tough. They seem like they're going to get better in the coming year with a businessman at the wheel of the ship, the helm. (laughs) Smile. Just threw that in just to wake some of you up. And it did. It perked you all up. <laughs> like some in some ways and some in others. <laughs> all right, let's pray together. Father God, we just thank you for your great love. We pray now that you would help us to celebrate your death on our behalf in a way that changes us, Lord. Gives us great comfort and joy to know of your great love for us. In Christ's name, amen.